Hello, welcome to another episode of Life in Red Podcast at Life in Red Podcast, Facebook and Instagram, at Life in Red Pod on Twitter and lifeinredpodcast.com. My guest today, uh, a really interesting conversation uh, and a real privilege to talk to him. Um, we really get into the ins and outs of social media and content from a personal perspective and a business perspective. And we talk about a whole bunch of things I'm really interested in, particularly surrounding, you know, everyone knows the importance of social media when it comes to uh, branding and marketing, but how companies don't really use it properly um, and how we as individuals, whether that's professionally or personally, how we can protect our content, how we can become better uh, at producing content if that's what we so choose and how to think about things uh, because we all have a digital footprint. Um, he has a couple new books. Um, his first one is Rethinking Your Content, which is out now. And he has a new one coming out on December 11th. It's How to Find Growth Beyond Your Personal Brand. Uh, that's going to be an audiobook coming out. Uh, you're going to want to check it out. Please give it up for my guest, Mohit Rajans. <laughs> Take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Welcome to Life in Red. All right, boom, here we go. Thank you for joining me. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Um, two bucks in the last uh, little bit. Is this a pandemic endeavor for you, or this has been something you've been working on for quite a while? Well, it's first of all, thanks a lot for having me because I know that you are a, you're an exciting podcaster, and uh, you're really you're you're going after some good guests right now to have great conversations. And I really appreciate that you've paused to to bring me on uh, because I've I've heard about some of the guests so far and I've followed a little bit. So this is good for me. I appreciate that. Um, you know, I I like to joke that I took a running start at the pandemic. Um, I started in January uh, to write because I knew that I could be committed to doing it. But I'll tell you, I didn't set out to become an author. Mm. What I set out to try to do is figure out how my knowledge that I felt like I'd been blogging about, that I'd been writing about and preaching about, how it could be utilized without falling into this gap of, you know, this, this internet sort of, uh, hey, follow me and you can get all this stuff. And look at me on a beach and, and I, I've got 10, 15 formulas you're doing wrong and you suck and I'm great. And I thought to myself, well, that's not the right answer. And then when I, as my television career was going on and stuff like that, I realized, well, these TV stars have a five-year shelf life. And then they go to, you know, then I went to the YouTube world and the, the YouTubers had about a three-year shelf life. And so what I'm basically saying is as of January, I stopped and I said, there's room for two solutions right now. With the how to find growth beyond your personal brand, I set out immediately to hit the former students of mine because I, I teach part-time at Humber. Uh, I, I set out immediately to say, listen, you guys can't work on your personal brands like this anymore. It doesn't make sense. There's no content and commerce connection. So that's what I was originally starting to do with that, which was let's create a blueprint for you, an audit of what you've been doing, what you've been wasting your time doing and all these false solutions you've been investing in. And I, I created that as an ebook. The problem was when Corona hit, um, I realized people have much bigger problems than personal branding and what they're doing. Sure, what evolved was, wait, he's right. But 
more so, I wasn't there to drill down a message and try to sell people on stuff when their businesses were starting to collapse. So what instead I did was I decided to write Rethinking Your Content. And Rethinking Your Content was something I kept in my, with myself for a while. And it was just the exact along the same lines, which is it's been 14 years now of social media platforms. We spent hours a day on this. The only news that's out there is about privacy concerns. There's so much to celebrate in these fantastic ecosystems that can make us successful. We just have to get out of our way a little bit about what we think is valuable and what we think we can really use them for. Because I got to tell you, I'm super excited about what some of these tools are going to be able to do for businesses in the future. It's such an interesting, social media is so interesting because you, like you said, there's so many benefits. You know, we connected on Twitter, the, the amount of people I've connected, whether it's through the podcast or through my mental health work or anything through social media, the communities, the opportunities to extend your own brand and, and your business. But then, you know, you get all the, the disinformation and, and the politics and, the, and this and that, and the trolling, you know, it's, it's, the, it's like a, a good, bad, love, hate relationship we have with social media. Um, I, I am curious. So we get pulled in so many directions with, with social media. And in terms of our own personal brand, which is what your next book's coming up, you know, I think a lot of people, it, the, right now the model's influencer, right? Like so if someone's posting on Instagram, blah, 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 trying to sell you on their, on their product or, or then they start getting engagements. But I'm I'm curious, when you're talking about personal brands, are you talking about just from a professional level, like someone who's trying to be, quote unquote, an influencer? Or do we all have some sort of brand to maintain, uh, whether that, you know, just be someone who just posts on social media, doesn't really care. It's not really a strategy. Like, would you say they also have to be focused on not necessarily a strategy, but the content that that they're producing? I love that you're asking that because let's look at, uh, let's take that question in two separate realms. One, let's stop thinking of social media as being this thing. Social media is not a thing. Social media is a bunch of different things. What you could go and make a business entirely on Facebook tomorrow and it could have nothing to do with whatever your social media presence is on Twitter. And you could be an athlete one second and have a bunch of fans about one thing and then you're raising money for Easter seals with the rest of your career and your social media. So social media isn't one thing. And so we have to immediately start to decipher how these platforms specifically are being utilized by what we need them for. That's the simplest thing. If you had a TV show in the 90s, you would never say, oh, my TV show is perfect for every network, right? You would go individually and try to cater a pitch towards them knowing that their audience is a very different type of thing. That's how we have to start looking at actual platforms. Now, when you talk about the other side of it, which is, well, am I me? Am I a brand? Am I a brand me? Am I beyond that? First of all, you need to decipher for your own sanity, right? <laughs> what it is that you want. Like, you know, I, um, on Twitter, I'm Mohit's Movies. And the last thing I want to do right now is review films. But I have a popularity, I mean, uh, not a popularity, a following associated with my rants about movies and my take on movies. And I really push diversity in films, which people in Canada have not done. Um, thankfully, I was uh, self-promotion here, but I was given, an, uh, I was recognized for that by a festival for 20 years of blogging. And you know what? I got to say one thing about that. I pay for that myself. Like I've covered the film industry in Canada, not because I get piecework meal, like I get a free ticket here and there. 
I've covered diversity in film in this country for the last 20 years. I started the Toronto South Asian Film Festival with my partner Dinesh back in 2000. And that commitment has been real, but I'll get to why that's important important in my broader career stuff. In the digital footprint that we were just referring to, I think it's important for us to realize that the, the idea of our personal brand really comes down to what the user experience is with what they're looking for. So I'll give you an example. If I'm Mohit the Carpenter, right? When somebody goes to look for Mohit the Carpenter, you're gonna have a set of things between Google, a phone book, whatever, referral, Facebook, et cetera, et cetera, people will look for you for. Similarly, if you're coming for a job, people will do the same thing. They will go through LinkedIn, they will go through Google. That's the way I try to help people with the growth branding book where I stop and I say, don't confuse the idea that you need the 60,000 followers on this and this and that. Find the right platform and then find what the experience is of the person that's looking for you. That gives you the real idea of what you should be focusing on. Because look, I, I've had problems in the past too. I'll be honest with you. I, I'm in a, in a in an industry where, um, you know, uh, I've worked on a lot of different things. And when we were first starting in this business, social media was fun, right? So you would do goofy things and, and Vine videos. There's a, there's a picture of me in a wedding dress as part of a, a charity um, event that I'm a part of. And I know that exists. You're not going to control everything. But what I can tell you is that if you can't, if you don't control the stuff you can control, then working towards growing your personal brand is futile. So I want, because one of the most fascinating things I find about social media, especially now, is, you know, I'm 28. So 10 years ago when Twitter and Facebook, you know, Instagram wasn't even a thing. Um, you know, I go back to my Facebook memories and I see some of the things I posted. I'm like, oh, I'm just going to delete that. I'm just going to delete that. So that was a, a way another time in my life where, again, like you said, social media was this totally different thing. But now we're seeing, especially with celebrities and people of influence, things that are being dragged up from the past and, and broadcast now. So, I mean, I guess from a personal brand perspective, like how important is it to, because we weren't thinking about this then like we are now, like do we, should we be going back and doing kind of like an audit of the things we say and delete or, uh, or should we just, you know, create maybe like a PR strategy in case it ever came back? Like what, what's your thoughts on kind of that stuff? Cause it, it so can. Really it's funny you say PR strategy because, um, you know, I, I, I used to teach part-time at Humber and then I went into more of a consulting role with them. But it, it, a lot of what we spoke about when social media was first sort of um, coming to the surface was the idea of crisis management mm -hmm. because social was the first outlet where people would put out there like, we hated the show and we didn't like you and you wore the tie wrong and that's disrespectful. And it all became PR people going, how do we manage all that? Do we react or react? You know, it became a big thing. And I love teaching my students through it because it was happening in real time. Uh, now the game has changed a little bit. And I'd be foolish if I was to tell you what will sit well in two years and what won't. Mm -hmm. But what I will tell you is that if you don't start engaging in these platforms like it can surface at any point in your life, then you're just doing yourself a disservice. I think the other part of it is you've got to think about how much time we're actually spending on these mobile devices. And we understand that we're no longer just those passive watchers. We're actually creators on the go. We're people who do things secondhand. We send tweets that should be thoughts. You know, we, we, we um, take pictures of things in a moment and then kind of go back and go, oh, was, should I make fun of that person who mm -hmm. was walking with a limp? You know, all of that stuff. But 
what I want to get to with all of that is don't take away what feels good about you being a good person, but always understand that if you're putting it out there, it's there to be evaluated. Mm-hmm. And it's unfortunate, right? But that's the only way you move from today forward. That way you're, you're better at it, knowing that you, know, you can be as free as you want, but unless you're willing to live by it, it's not worth it. It's not worth a retweet or a laugh or 16 spins on Instagram reels or whatnot. Um, so I, I'd be foolish though, if I was to tell you what the sentiment is going to be based on the fact that you dressed up as Snoopy one Halloween and all of a sudden everyone's like, you fucking Snoopy hater. <laughs> Why'd <Right>. you do that? <laughs> yeah. Snoopy's the new villain. <laughs> right. It's uh, it's, because when you're talking about content, I mean, that's, that is a broad term. It's a broad yeah. subject. Content Very. means a whole bunch of different things. But so I'll use myself as an example. So, you know, yeah. I have a lot of different avenues of my life. But one of the things that people often talk to me about is the mental health, because that's something I've been sharing for, tw- for a, a few years now. And it's kind of like built me in a way to who I am. But part of that is sharing, um, you know, intimate details of, of my life and my thoughts. And, and, you know, this question comes up, you know, are you sure you want to post that? Are you, are you sure that, you know, it's the, it's the right thing to, to do. And on one hand, you know, you help people, but on the other hand, you're like, you know, you know, what if an employer reads that and they're like, Oh, Ryan's depressed. Is he going to work? You know, and you have this kind of push and pull of you, people want authenticity. And especially as a content creator, as an individual, they want that. Like that's what seems to be successful, at least right now, as opposed to like, you kind of mentioned off the beginning where it's just like, you know, I'm on a beach, like buy this lip gloss. Here's a picture of my bum in the sand, you know, like the, the generic stuff. Like when you're talking to people, like how do you recommend balance? Like this, that, that juggling act of, I want people to be in my life, but like not too much. I think that you, um, one of the tricks, one of the unfortunate parts about um, being as open and honest as you are is that you're extremely vulnerable Mm -hmm. on the medium and the platform. But one of the things you have to remember is there is a business tied to what you're doing, right? And so if it's not clear to your audience what your business objective is, that authenticity starts to fit right? So you have made it clear that you're not selling it. Well, I don't know. I, I haven't listened to everything, but you're, you're currently not selling anything. And even if you were, let's say you were um, affiliated with a meditation app. Okay. And you, in the middle of your podcast, did a pre-roll saying, just a reminder, our podcast is supported by X, Y, and Z meditation, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Your audience is not going to alienate you for that. So I think what I would recommend to somebody like you is to move past what you think is right and wrong from a people's perspective and just move closer to how do you at least cover your your bills associated with what you're doing find the fulfillment and you knowing that you do it well and you would watch it and you would be engaged with it and then put your parameters out there the biggest misconception is that four year ago misconception which was oh he didn't put ad beside the word pen that and he's selling me his ad you're bad you tried to mm. sell me something that days are gone you know, every single platform now has a way in which when you are being endorsing something or whatever, whatever, partnering with something, you have to label it. They're all part of an accountable business. If you start to look at the way that you do your content as an accountability platform as well, then 
you're really not being judged by anything else. Now, don't get me wrong. I know that the success is often made on whether it's subscribers, whether you get booked for talks, whether people understand that you've got that value, et cetera, et cetera. But because your conversations are so personal, I would flip that on its head. And I would not necessarily look for the largest type of following. And I would look for a specific. And I would mm. niche down so much that people will understand, for instance, this conversation isn't happening on most mental health podcasts. Because what we're talking about is the idea of balancing social media, right? Your interests and your business. So it's kind of like, blah, 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 blah. And then in your head, it's everything, right? What I'm saying to you is that you come from a good place. Your message is in a good place. There's lots of people that want to hear it and feel it. You don't need to be everywhere. Mm -hmm. And what I did with re rethinking your content was just that, where I started to get people off the ledge saying, no, don't open 15 platforms and post on everything. No, don't try to make money on everything. You're going to wear yourself thin. Find your audience, niche down, and spend that time conversing with that. It's important. Mm -hmm. It's That's something I, you know, because... So my background's radio. That that that's where I I make my my living. So I, I always get that that that's what they say too, right? You want to niche down if you want to start a podcast X Y Z. My my thought about podcasting, at least, is like you know whether this ever becomes a a financial endeavor or a full time job. Uh, the jury's out. Who knows? Would I love that? Absolutely. But right now, I just like talking to interesting people about, and I'm a curious person. I'm interested in everything. So I've never wanted to like narrow myself down into this, you know, back myself into a corner because if I want to talk to you and find out all these different things about social media, which is a very fascinating thing to me, but I also kind of want to talk to like people who do like drugs or who was a stripper or, you know what I mean? Like my curiosity never ends. So my thought about niching, it's like. You're confusing something, my friend. What's that? Ooh, please. You're you're, so you represent a normal human being. You represent somebody who's curious about many different things. You're confusing niching with narrowing. And those are two very different things. I'm not telling you to only find the one person that looks, acts, and feels like you. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you to start to understand that you are an amalgamation of a lot of great things that many people your age are into. Find That's your niche then, mm. right? It's, you've got similar minded people who like the same music, and this is where I'm gonna turn it on its head for you, okay? You're not going to find those similar people by just doing a podcast. Mm. You are not gonna find those people by just tweeting out. You are gonna to go to different platforms and understand, okay, where are my people on this platform? Where are my mental health advocates on TikTok? Where are my mental health advocates on Boise and, and other apps that are on the come up right now? You'll be surprised. You know what one of my clients right now is finding the most success in TikTok doing? Real estate. Can you imagine? Hmm. Why, right? Because of the pandemic, people were gravitated towards TikTok anyway, and he started to hashtag local areas that were getting people out of condos, right market, and the right content. Can't stop uh, his phone from ringing right now. Never had a digital hmm. footprint. Could not compete with the big firms in Toronto. And now he's doing so well. I'm just talking about diversifying yeah, of course. so that you put yourself in a situation where you don't narrow. Your niche is how you build that story, right? Mm -hmm. Look at Joe Rogan. I hate using him as, a, as, a, as an example, but his curiosity is through the roof. It was through the roof prior to even starting to podcast, but he brought that swath 
where that person beside you on the bus, you would never imagine if they look, feel, like the same things that you do. You've got the same capability with this, right? Mm. And that's how I believe that your audience grows, is that your authenticity spurs out that need right. to connect. I always say I'm trying to be a less controversial Joe Rogan. That's like my pitch to people. <laughs> Stay away from those like, you know, Alex you know Jones. If, but if, if there's one thing I can advise you, if you're ever really going to be taken seriously in any form of content that you do, don't ever refer to the person that's king of the game. Right. Because it always automatically gets people to be like, all right, you get the eye roll. All right, buddy, let me know. Yeah, maybe I'll take a listen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me know. That's but instead, but instead, also know that um, there's there's so much to be had still in that game. Uh, you look at what Spotify is doing alone right now in the podcasting game and how they're letting creators work in various ways to uh, make money. If you look at how Twitch is letting you merchandise, if if you even look at how TikTok and Shopify have been able to mm -hmm. connect, uh, 2021 is really going to be, a, you know what it's going to be? It's going to be a, a cross between millennials who finally realize that they're not just playing games anymore, right? <laughs> On these networks. And you're going to get ultra smart uh, young generation like generation z who've have grown up on mobile phones and are going to make everything happen as a result so i mean it's an exciting time these companies are playing catch up they understand that they you know every little thing that they thought maybe eventually will be an add-on we'll add this tool we'll add this blah 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 it's happening in an accelerated process and i think there's so much opportunity even like the audio branding alone audio branding alone is about to put like completely blow up because of smart speakers and um it, the the content that we're going to start to create that's going to be focused on the um audio um the smart speaker experience i'm so excited about it man i'm so excited about it so just quick so what do you mean by audio branding i've never heard the term oh okay so um Audio branding is, is, is exactly what it sounds like. Uh, audio branding, and I speak about this in the growth branding book. In fact, let me flip that on its head. Mm. Uh, I started to uh, narrate my, uh, my growth branding book as an ebook and an, uh, and an audio book. And I thought to myself, no one's going to read the book. I'm just going to narrate it. And I started to narrate it, and I realized I don't want to listen to myself for this long, you know, um, surprisingly. And <clears throat> in saying that, I hired somebody to do it, but I hired somebody to do it just so that I can understand how the audible experience worked. Because I knew that some of my clients in the future are gonna to wanna to publish their own audio books as well. Thought leadership can't just be in wonderful printed books and on Amazon one day, et cetera. How else are people gonna get this knowledge? Um, so I went through the process. And the reason I'm, I'm telling you that is because it reminded me that now we're going to get to a place where this screen that you and I are on, is going to be that same screen that we do work on and we watch Netflix on and we do our Zoom calls on and then, you know, three quarters of our day will be on and then meetings will be on. We're not gonna necessarily find the fun as much in that. So mm -hmm. audio branding now puts us in a situation for a company and a, and a person in a place where the interactivity with this audio thing, which is your smart speaker, is a huge part of a lot of people's lives. Now, I'll give you an example. At home, I'm a family of, of five people. That audio speaker now is an assistant in some cases. It solves problems. Hey, this, can you help us with this? Who is the, what is the capital of this? That's that experience. But also, when I ask for your podcast on my smart speaker, if you don't 
have that audio branding intact uh, and you don't have your tags in the ecosystem that I'm talking about, your podcast isn't going to come up. You know what's going to come up? Mm. The other podcast with, that sounds close to it. Mm, and so it's so right. fascinating to me. Now you might stop and say, you know what, Mohit, you're way out of your league. That's a year from adoption, et cetera, et cetera. I'm telling you the ecosystems are being built now. And I, that's the fascinating part about, about this. That, uh, no, we, could go, right. we could do a full session on audio branding. I have so many I, things for it. I, even podcasting is audio branding, right? Mm -hmm. You just have to find those little things that end up um, falling into the ecosystem as well. Well, it's, we, uh, you know, the company I work for uh, made a big push of that, especially with the Amazon when they launched their uh, the Echo, I think, that it was, we brand like spots that were basically like, hey, uh, Alexa, Alexa, that was what it was, please play, you know, station XYZ. And like, we, we ran that as people were getting that. So right. That, kind that of, was that, the beginning. But you yeah. know what's the best part about it is the layers that are happening now. Let me get, let me tell you one last thing. Um, I'm creating one right now for dad spotting, uh, dadspotting.com. That's my fatherhood website. And I can explain what that is some other time, but, um, uh, for Spotify specifically, I'm doing the dad spotting hit list. And what I'm doing is all Christmas music, right? But in the middle, I'm doing gift guide, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm explaining to people what dads want for Christmas in the middle of my Christmas music hit list. And it works as a podcast. Will it be around in two months? No, it doesn't need to be. <laughs> It's got a function and i'm just telling you that it's a very 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 good and exciting opportunity when you can realize that these platforms exist and they don't have to be just one thing that's not my dad spotting podcast there's going to be seven of them there's going to be one about comedy there's going to be one about cars right but that's just an example of how to utilize these things and start rethinking about the way you're dealing with your content mm -hmm. Uh, very good points and definitely and now i'm like oh yeah, okay yeah it's starting to spark the the light bulb i did want to talk about sorry where am i sending the check to for this yeah no. <laughs> <laughs> um about corporations and and social media um you know i think the big companies obviously do a great job when you think about nike and you think you know all those big powerful brands but when you get into you know radio stations, TV stations, all these different things, you know, social media is like beat over our head how important it is. It's, you know, you got to do this, got to do that. But it always seems like they never take it seriously. Like they always lump in, you know, social media into a communications coordinator. And by the way, you're also doing graphics and you're also responsible for video and you're also responsible for the, it's just like, yeah, social, they, they say it's serious and it should be taken seriously, but they always kind of don't, at least they don't walk the walk. When you're talking to clients who are especially resist, maybe resistance to this idea of, no, it needs to be this like entire department, this being that's all social media. Like, how are you trying to break down their preconceived notions about it? I, 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 re I reverse engineer. Mm -hmm. So I basically say, what number of audience are you looking for? How do you traditionally get to them? How is it measured? And then how can I deconstruct how that's not true? And usually it'll get to a point where the CPMs and the way advertisers are looking for different types of audiences, it'll become clear that there's either a disconnect that the car company doesn't care and they just want to see the numbers the same way that they've seen them for the last 10 years, or they, they realize that they've got to put this indicator of what the data shows and what they've collected and all that sort of stuff. Here's the problem, my friend. The problem is that gap that you're talking about, even at your, like, at, um, at your juncture in your career, 
that's 10 years of that prior. So think about all the people that were like, let's not, let's wait. That's going to take away from our bonuses. You know, it's too fragmented. It's hard to measure. Money will come back. What's digital out of home? How do we measure? All of the stuff that made, you know, the gray hairs gray, right? We're, we're, it was all in job protection. They were like, no, we don't, we can't. We don't have a budget for that. We need a graphics guy to do it all, you know? Mm. And the worst part about it was, all of these platforms gave the facade that they were user-friendly as if it was as simple as going to pick up a sandwich, right? You pick it up, you eat it, it's not gonna see you later. But there's a heavy business tool and education involved in how to use these tools, uh, sorry um, for misspeaking. Um, these tools are, are, you gotta learn them properly, you gotta use them properly, otherwise you're going to be had. You know, let, one of the points I make in every interview that I can is that, None of these tools are designed to make you successful. Mm -hmm. I don't know why we have this misgiving that they, anyone owes us any, they must be sitting there in those uh, forums in the US and those senates and stuff like that, thinking to themselves, I was literally in a basement <laughs> seven years ago thinking up this idea. And now all these congressmen want to know how they can log in because they forgot their password. It must be so mind boggling. These social media networks don't owe you anything. Stop blaming them and start using them the way that they're, I just, I can't emphasize this enough. I mean, I don't know everything. I spend, I spend all my, all my time learning and learning from other people and working with clients that need it. But I'm constantly amazed at how little I still feel like I know and how much opportunity there is. The Shopify ecosystem alone, my friend, in the last year has created so many opportunities globally for people. It's just, but you have to spend your time. It's like anything. You want to be mm -hmm. a yoga instructor? You're not going to learn it by watching the videos on YouTube. Right. It, and it's Sorry, ever changing. No, it's all, I love it. It's perfect. And it's all great stuff. And it's, it's ever changing. And that's the thing that, especially when I deal with the older generation, um, that they find so frustrating. You're like talking about algorithms and you're talking about this and they just, they can't keep up. Like they're still in the mindset that they're like, oh, I have a picture. I'm just going to post to Facebook and I'm done. I did my yeah, social viral. media for the day. It's all about <laughs> and they're thinking viral. That's right. <laughs> it, my question is, because this is something that, you know, I, I love talking to people about, um, especially content creators. Like is the notion of organic, especially social media, right? Because even if you're doing a podcast or you're doing a YouTube channel, like you kind of need social media to, to tell people that you're doing this so they come over like is organic social media growth i guess for lack of a better term like dead like do you really need to to pay into it to to purchase ads or would you say you can still build an active great following by just using social media properly but organically i think you're going to find use case scenarios for both still I think one of the things I always try to encourage people is that if you are able to test out where your content works best and stick to that, you're able to, if you're able to do that comfortably, then you consistently do it. But what I'll, I'll tell you, which drives me nuts still, is this idea that we actually, we're not obligated to do anything, right? You're not obligated to be on the duopoly of Facebook and Google. Not every business comes from the same growth trajectory. Not every service is something that every, everybody wants. I would just, okay, 
give me the first part of your question again so that um i because i don't want to repeat myself i know i've already gone down this this path well no, the first okay. part of your give me the first part of your question again so basically i mean it's just people think that you can post normally and everything forget is we're talking about so i have a i have a, a feeling that the peso model is dead and that's i don't know if you're familiar with the peso model i wish i was doing my class here i put the <laughs> thing for you it's it's paid earned social optimized and it's it's basically how your media comes together and it's a very common model um and i feel like that model needs a little bit of a shift because there's it's very tough to not have a paid strategy you need to have something if you're introducing but what i'm getting at more so is that i feel like people are doing it way too much in pieces of content and not brands of content and so what essentially is happening is that we're using this idea of what paid um, is in Facebook, et cetera, and we're running ads of the one piece of content we want people to see or the idea that you did a great interview, et cetera, et cetera. Instead, it makes way more sense if you're going to do a paid campaign to have something consistent that's repetitive in nature that puts your brand in front of people's faces and draws them back to the wide variety of stuff you have. And that's one way I think paid complements. Mm. Organic, though, I'll tell you, is so hit and miss. I mean, mm -hmm. think about how many great things you found that nobody's seen. And then also think about the great things where you stop and say to yourself, are we really talking about this? <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I, I would love to be sort of one of those people that has an active sort of like, no, organic is dead. Man, every time I say that, some, somebody proves me wrong. Uh, but I will tell you, you can't plan for it right because if you put faith in organic right now if you have a strategist that's putting faith in organic for you right now as a company you should fire that strategist it's plain and simple right there uh, uh that's it's funny uh, you mentioned all that that it all the traditioning branding principles that we especially as marketers or, you know, you're from the media industry, you, when you're talking about TV ads or radio ads, where you're talking about brand consistency and, you know, being repetitive and, and imaging that brand into, into people that all of a sudden with social media, like these older, I would say older generation marketers, it's like, it's gone. All that, all that knowledge just kind of goes out the window in a way. Um, I, I want to get your thoughts on TikTok. TikTok is, and I was listening to uh, the guy who did Social Dilemma, uh, Tristan, I can't remember his name, but he was, he was talking about how when you get a new social media platform, they make it really easy to go viral and to gain lots of followers very quickly. So that way, you know, you become addicted to that more than so, you know, Instagram where it's like really hard to kind of get new followers. And a lot of media companies or, or big companies, they don't want to dabble in TikTok. You know, TikTok is surrounded by a little bit of controversy with China and, and Trump and, and all those things. Is that a viable, you said you had success with that realtor client. Is, is TikTok something brands and people, like, should they jump on it? Well, here's the brilliance about TikTok, in my opinion, is that whether it succeeds or not, it has changed the game. And so you're already seeing how Instagram has tried to do it with reels and how Snapchat has tried to do their own form of it. So they've already won and like they've had their footprint, but Vine changed the game too back in the day and they never stuck around. 
So while I do believe that they have put their footprint in what um, in what this history of social media is, I don't necessarily have the faith in the fact that they're going to be able to stay on top in the way that they are. Um, they're trendsetters, yes. They've got a secret sauce with what you described as that um, as the algorithm, hundred percent. The one thing that they've done that I love, which you know, I wish the other ones had done was that they've let their creators be, um, uh, um, be the proprietors of their channels, right? So as a creator, you can make a deal directly with an advertiser. You can uh, sell your own t-shirts through their Shopify stuff. Now mm. you can work with the music. You can do all that sort of stuff in your own realm. Whereas when the other platforms started to see the commerce potential, you had to, you have to go into the you can't have Instagram without having Facebook, and you can't have those cross pollinate in your ad strategy and stuff like that. So you're in that wheelhouse. Same thing with Amazon and Audible. You're in their system. You're serving ads. You're learning how to do things. TikTok still gives the ability or the facade to the uh, and uh, YouTube used to be like this, which is why creators loved it. Right? Creators were like, "Oh, you guys are going to manage the money and just mm. send me checks." do it then all of a sudden they're like oh but now that you can see under our hood you realize oh that we're making too much oh you're going to change the oh i'm not as oh so that's the worry too is that a mm -hmm. lot of tiktok my my um my calling to tiktok creators right now anybody who's finding success on it is utilize the crap out of it but also don't rely solely on it take all the good that comes with learning how to use the tools properly have the fun with it build but make sure you're bringing that audience over because if you're not bringing that audience over to another platform, you're not rethinking your content. Mm, that's a good point. Cause you see that a lot. You see, you know, especially Instagram people reposting their tweets. I know I do that sometimes or reposting their TikToks on Instagram. Um, I, let me give you a quick example. Yeah. Actually, my dad spotting uh, .com, uh, Instagram handle hundred people. Okay. Every reel I post about anything cute with kids and dads and stuff, thousands of hits. Hmm. Still, I only have like, and don't get me wrong, I didn't start dad spotting to become a social network. I started dad spotting to become a trends now. Like I, it was a business to business play. I was, I'm trying, I've been trying to create this company that can study the consumer habits of an understudied population, a changing demographic. The blog was just a part of it and a cultural thing where I wanted people to feel secure about the conversations that we were about to have. Anyway, the reason I, I'm saying all that is that I still had to create the social network to study it, right? Mm -hmm. I know that when I did a Cam H posting, for example, on dad spotting, it, it blew up because there was nothing like that out there talking about dads and mental health. Mm. I wanted to study that. I didn't want to be the guy to be like, hey, guess what? I'm a guy and I'm smart and I'm a dad and you're mentally healthy too now. <laughs> that wasn't my buzz. You know what I mean? Um, mm. But the reason I'm saying all that is because you can't uh, equate necessarily on the same level. And I think with TikTok, when I go back to TikTok and I think about how useful it is right now, I don't believe it becomes more useful than it is right now yet. Does that make sense? Like, I don't see a rapid growth where right. it becomes something that it's not, but I also don't see them going away anytime soon. So to find the real value in it is to stop guessing on those two sides. Play the game, know what it's worth. You're building an audience there. Good. Bring them there. Um, if not, bring them here. I've had TikTokers thank me on dad spotting for posting their reels on my, on my thing. And 
just yeah anyway I, right. I answer two different questions no i love it and then you start you know building that relationship and that connection uh -huh. with with the people in your i mean we're just talking about people in your audience and your community now you're you're fostering this this growth with them I have a wonderful success story um, about a guy who had tweeted a picture uh, drawing uh, Tim Horton's mug he was inspired by. Uh, he tweeted it. I know Tim Hortons was a former client of mine when I had worked uh, um, uh, on a project at Cineplex. And uh, so friends with social sent it to them. They immediately tweeted it out. He got their attention. He's now like, that's exactly what he wanted to try, right? Make that connection as an artist, knowing he's inspired something, who knows? what it could lead to. Another great example of that. Yeah. I, so I'm glad you kind of brought up earlier, you know, you, you're doing the Mohit movies and you're, you've, you're familiar with diversity and talking about that and, and inclusion. So this is a question I love to ask, especially people high up in, in my, my company and um, how we, so we saw it really over the summer where um, with uh, George Floyd and, and Black Lives Matter and that whole movement, there was a lot of pressure from audiences, from all brand perspectives about making some sort of statement denouncing racism, which is great. But you also have the one hand where people are like, I don't want that because, you know, I want to see action. I don't want some, you know, empty platitude or statement that doesn't mean anything if you're not taking action as an organization. So what I'm curious about, because like you said earlier, social media is like the first point of contact where people are releasing these statements. What would you advise companies when it comes to speaking out about diversity or racism or, uh, you know, LGBT issues, right? Like, should they be getting involved in that space? Should they be having a communication strategy? Or would it be better to just not play into that because it, it, it you're not going to please, like you're going to piss off 50% of the people no matter what you do. Well, I definitely don't think that that whatever answer I give you is going to be a, a universal answer because whether, you know, in Canada, you'll look at major corporations as being banks, airlines and, and stuff, and they've got a different obligation than somebody like yourself would. Right. Um, so if I take it from that aspect, I will say that all of this boils down to corporate social responsibility. And I think that uh, the, if you want to be able to recruit people to work within your organization who are also going to be your customer, you have to show that you are uh, progressive and that you have a company that is willing to stand by a certain set of morals, evolve, learn, and teach. The right people need to be in the room and you need to prove that not by putting an ad on, but by showing that in your corporate social responsibility folder, your team building is, um, is, in, a, is in a boardroom that is reflective and that your uh, corporate structure and your meet our team portion of your website is also reflective. Show me those celebrations and then I'll worry a little bit about whether you've got a black girl and a white girl in a cookie commercial. Um, I've seen it all, dude. And I've mm. seen it all from the worst places. I've seen uh, people take diversity initiative, take money for diversity initiatives and completely squander it. I've seen the media play these games with diversity where, you know, if it doesn't bleed, it doesn't lead. Um, but at the same time, I can't tell you how much I love the fact that diverse artists from Canada are the ones that went F you and took off and made 
the rest of the world noticed and came back and basically said, look, we were, we were on Queen Street. We were on John Street. We played those venues. We tried to get the funding. You know, we were the weekend, the Drake. We mm. were those people. We were Savannah Ray at the Remix Project, which is a wonderful music incubator in Canada. We were all these people that you guys didn't pay attention to. Guess what? The world did. So what I hope now is that corporations start to realize that we're past a little bit of the tokenism and we're more into look what you what you can harness in this country the u.s doesn't want people these i'm not saying the u.s doesn't this isn't an anti-us whatever but mm -hmm. some people don't want them we've got this wonderful opportunity in canada they're the lily sings of the world the humble poets of the world all these guys took off from here because they knew canada couldn't support it we made those mistakes why not start harnessing that diversity here and realizing what, like we're an incubator and all these digital, all these people I'm talking about use digital tools to actually find that success, be it Drake through SoundCloud, be it Lily through YouTube, mm -hmm. right? And so that's even more proof that if nothing else, these tools can really shrink that idea of what diversity is. One last point I want to make to you is something that really made me uh, sort of step up and understand how different this is. You know, um, a child in my life, not, I'm not going to name which one, mm -hmm. um, asked very innocently, uh, was there a time where black lives didn't matter? Mm. And it was one of those things that I, I, it was one of those things where I thought to myself, oh, wait a minute. Right. For a generation, you know, there's, there, there was a time where there wasn't, like, they didn't understand that there were broader problems that were being addressed. Rather than make me think to myself, I haven't done enough to educate this child and what I stopped and I decided and thought to myself was that you know the questions that need to be answered need to be answered through specific conversations what I can't rely on is those questions to be answered through a mass amount of tagging and liking and people doing obnoxious things in the name of people trying to do the what's best but not able to we had a a person in our lives recently that wanted to have a conversation with me specifically about Black Lives Matter. And it wasn't until about halfway in the conversation that I mentioned to her, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not black. You know that, right? Um, I, I can, I can work with you on finding solutions for you understanding uh, the plight based on the way I observe it, but you understand that I'm not. And there was a discomfort in that. <laughs> mm. uh, so there's a lot more to be done. The reason I go down this road is the fact that I truly believe that we're past the tokenism we're past trying to figure out whether people will stand for how awful things were we're going to see a lot of ugliness come out still in terms of the truth and how people were treated but we're now more than ever empowered to use some of these tools that we have to start to really change the conversation it's going to be less about the after school special that talks about the kid being bullied for racism and it's going to be more about the fact that hey you know what that kid's taking the best of all three of the cultures that he's a part of or she's a part of and doing this with it and it, that's what i look forward to I yeah look forward so, to, sorry go ahead no that's okay social media is given you know the voice the voiceless the voice and now you can hear firsthand accounts without gatekeepers like you know news organizations or you know, powerful people giving you a five minute platform to, to tell your story. My, all of the content that I create and whatever I create now, I need to be cautious here. I don't create content as an influencer. I I'm a B2B guy. I'm a business to business guy. You're not going to look for me again on your scroll. Hey, here's your five ways to be rich and famous like me. <laughs> um, 
no, but um, what I was getting to with that is that we have to be able to put um, a connection point in many things, but know that we're not going to be able to connect on everything. And I think that um, you are doing a good job with this, and I want to see you progress to a place where you have those conversations consistently with uh, your um, with your audience members too, right? Where mm -hmm. you start to understand what's what's waiting on people's minds, what's motivated them to do certain things the way that they've done it, because that's how we evolve. Um, you know what's exciting about what I'm starting to do with my life is that I'm only going to be able to update this, right? Mm -hmm. And um, I started to fall out of love with movies a little bit because I started to cover them so much and it would be so disheartening when I'd start to realize how much effort was going into a project and they weren't getting the return for it. It started to really weigh on me that my word had something to do with that. So I'm glad that this aspect, what I've been doing the last four or five years is going to find some value and continually grow as well. Yeah, it's why I particularly love platforms like podcasts and like that's why I started a podcast is because of working in traditional media I was like I mean you can't get an answer in in two or three minutes that it's going to resonate with people you you need to be able to have a discussion and dissect ideas and hear each side and and figure out okay you know and something you just said it's something I think a lot about is is having those conversations with my audience. Cause a lot of people who listen are from my hometown, which is like a conservative stronghold. Like where's the hometown? Joking. So I'm from Carlton place. Uh, so it's not far from Ottawa. Um, if you're familiar, but it's, we always joke that like conservatives could run unopposed, uh, like couldn't even run a candidate and they'd still win. Like that's just the way the town is very small. It's growing. But from when I was there, it was like 7,000 people. It was, it was not diverse at all. So I have friends who, who are still there and still think in, you know, not, a, you know, I don't want to say completely racist, but not very progressively. And, you know, I came from a time, especially when I started this podcast, where there were things that I was like, you know, like white privilege, what are you talking about? You know, things like that. Um, and it was through this podcast, I was able to have those conversations that shaped my perspective. And then my hope is that like, if I can change my perspective on these issues, whether that's race or uh, LGBT or, you know, any social justice matter, indigenous uh, issues that like if they can see the progression of my mind, it's like, I hope that they can question their, their beliefs. You know what I mean? And that's, you know what I find interesting. Is. You know what I find so interesting about the conversation that we've had so far today What's that? is that, is that um, <clears throat> it's, you speak a lot of the they, and um, I find that interesting because you're so like, I feel like you're doing so much for you, like what you would like to do and see, and you know that the audience and you're a smart guy that way too. But I think that just being how much you, like, of you you are and putting out there, et cetera, is so much val more valuable than even the they that you know. Like it's, you know, we can get stuck so deeply into this world. And I mean, look, uh, let me give you, let me turn it around and talk about me again. Uh, but, <laughs> I have all just used myself as an example. It's very easy for me to just find a steady career in covering movies and Bollywood in particular. I can go and cover Bollywood till I'm blue in the face. And I don't want to. Don't get me wrong. Excellent career in it. I have a, a book I will write someday about how wonderful I, access I've had to that industry. But what I'm getting to is the fact that eventually I started to realize that I was doing that for the wrong reasons. I was doing that 
right? The, the Bollywood show, because I felt like nobody else was covering an industry in Canada. And, mm -hmm. you know, there was lots of people who loved it. And, uh, and I always referred to things that way too, where I was like, well, they might not like this, or we, we got to do that, this for them. And eventually I realized, you know, unless I'm doing this for myself, I'm not getting paid the way I feel like I should get paid. I'm not getting the rewards. I'm not getting the fan mail. I'm not getting, you know, the free meal even. I'm not getting a free samosa on Gerard Street, which is um, former Little India mm. <laughs> in Toronto. Um, don't go to Gerard Street anymore. Um, but the reason I'm saying that is that, uh, and I'm not trying to get philosophical on you at all, but I think that the more you speak to the various amounts of people, uh, the they is, is a much broader audience for you that's shaped by a lot of, um, you know, small town, whatever, whatever, people mm -hmm. and shapes, whatever. Them. The whole idea of media and trying to make you feel like there is this one thing that the audience might think and that one audience is going to be the judger of whether you're successful or not. Nope, man. All you got to do is go and watch how much action or how much audience a uh, fitness influencer gets on a random afternoon on Peloton. And then all of a sudden you're like, yeah, I don't think I'm doing something right. <laughs> like, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. At the end of the day, we're looking for people's uh, attention and we're looking for people's respect. And in, in, in that, I just want you to be understand that you will constantly have this tug of war between, you know, what might be right for them versus them. Stick to you. You got you. You know that. And then bring it all. Bring all of you in it. And then, people from small towns, et cetera, you're never going to convince the whole town unless you're running for mayor. That's mm. different. If this is all a political front, yeah. tell <laughs> uh, No, I see the way that people talk to politicians on social media and uh, I already have low enough self-esteem, you know? <laughs> um, I, I am glad you brought up the fitness influencer because one of the, the questions before I, I was, you know, we, we ended our time here is, especially with the pandemic, Wait, wait are we seeing... close to ending our time? Are we close to ending our time? I mean, few few minutes, you know. Okay, before you go on, before you go on, I have Please. to do three plugs then. <laughs> I have an audio book on Audible um, coming out next week or should be posted soon. Yeah. Finding growth, finding growth beyond your personal brand. Please do download it if you get a chance. And my book, uh, Rethinking Your Content is on Amazon, Goodreads, and Google Book as well. Okay, go. Yeah, I, and I would never leave without letting you t tell people about that but what i was just going to say is yeah my friend uh not too long before we started chatting sent me a video of a uh she owns a holistic wellness business and she was talking about how the pandemic is fake and uh you're you're getting this now with businesses and influencers with, and you know we just had this really nice discussion on being you and authentic and and you know all these different things sometimes that can get you into trouble how how I mean, when you're coaching people or businesses on this type of stuff, like this is kind of like, it, it's hard to say with 100% certainty that what they're saying is wrong. But I mean, what we know and the evidence suggests is that they are wrong. How do you try to find that balance where you're like, I would not post that because it's going to be more controversial, but like it's their personal convictions. Like, I mean, I don't know yeah, where the question is. I have a very simple that, formula. But... I have a very simple formula. Okay, beautiful. Before you post, before you do anything, you have one of two objectives. Um, is it commerce or culture? What are you influencing? Okay. If you're influencing your commerce, great. 
how is it going to lead back into someone buying whatever the heck you're streaming, selling, blah, 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 blah. If it's culturally significant, how important is it that you are contributing to the culture that way? I mean, don't get me wrong, you're tweeting during the AMA awards, you have a thought. You want people to know that you don't like that person's dress. You're contributing to the culture, you can rationalize that. But if you're doing something to counter, like counter the culture and bring it down, well, what's the point? Like, I love hip hop. Hip hop gets destroyed mm. on Twitter. And I hate what hip hop Twitter is. That's why I don't even engage at that point. Mm. So I basically say to people, if you're going to contribute, if, and it has to come from a place of contributing to the culture or contributing, contributing to commerce. There's no in between. Otherwise you're doing it like you're doing it to fill bits and bites that nobody, it doesn't make sense. Mm. And don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not true to it yet. I'll mm. write random things once in a while and just feel like I want somebody to know that I'm smarter than Don Jr. <laughs> I'm a grown man. Why do I have to do that? I don't have to do that, man. Right. So what I'm, I'm a victim of it too. I'm just mm. as guilty. We like to play the slot machine once in a while. And that's what social media can be. Yeah. Um, don't not be you. All I'm saying is that it's commerce or culture. If you feel like you got something good, do it. Spit it out. Got it. It's for the culture. I'm going to do it. The commerce will come. You got something to sell? Great. That's the reason you're doing it. Tell people that. I got something great. You want to be a part of this. I did a wonderful podcast recently, Soft Revolution. And I was, um, I was amazed about the Patreon that they had set up and how people and mm -hmm. their fans from the bands that they and the plays that have watched these two hosts, Ellie Moman and Torque, like, you know, they've gravitated to them only because they know that they can't make a living doing what they do. But I never had that faith in Patreon until I actually saw exactly what they were doing with it because I always thought Patreon was a lost cause. I learned a lesson as a result of doing somebody else's podcast and now I've got four other clients on it. So mm. it just goes to show, man, that we are, um, I don't know why I have to brought the random podcast thing up. Um, but I will tell you the last thing about podcasting, which you should uh, definitely um, consider is that these are all subjects. These are all topics like blog topics. These are all things you can siphon off in different ways. You can mm. put different beats and patterns and things. You know, uh, one of the things I do with my dad's spotting podcast that I've been doing for like, I've been recording for a year and never put out is I ask the same questions to many dads. Right. And so I know my podcast is going to be each episode is going to be a question. Right. And then that way I'm going to form that conversation. There's many ways you can play with this audio format as well. Um, you know, you could put a YouTube version of this episode on and it can be all graphics, right. Based on our conversation, based on highlights and stuff. There's just many ways that we can do things now. And I just hope that people spend less time trying to figure out how to get more views and likes and more time on finding the right types of audiences on these platforms. Mm, that's bring up some very valid points. Absolutely. That, yeah, you shouldn't rely on just one little spot. Like a, the, just an episode of a podcast brings up so many more content uh, sure. possibilities. And, and it doesn't even have to, have to happen now. You can, you can germinate with it. Something might trigger something where all of a sudden you're just like, you know what? Mohit talked about TikTok and another person talked about TikTok. Maybe I'm just going to do a little, you know, personal rant about how much I hate it mm. <laughs> and put these clips in between. Who knows? Mm -hmm. um, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because w w especially someone like yourself who, you know, you, you're operating a business, have a family, doing all these interviews and podcasts, TVs, uh, spots, all these different things. One thing I, I always, and you've brought up mental health as well, 
how do you find balance? Because when you're talking about, especially me, I don't make any money. This is just a hobby. I, I actually pay money to, to do this. But I, you know, right now I, I have my work email open, so I make sure I'm not making missing anything at work. You know, I have not other projects. Not. What I'm like creating all that content takes a lot of time. It takes mm-hmm. a lot of work. Like, mm-hmm. how do you, how do you find balance for yourself in doing all these things that you're doing, writing books, oper- all those different things? Um, okay. So two things, um, no, no misgivings other, like, I mean, without a wife, um, without the family, right. nothing. Um, especially because I've had a wonderful career in television that had me away from home from 5am uh, to like 9pm certain nights, you know, traveling, doing all that stuff. I worked three media jobs at one time with three little kids. So wife, family supportive. I'm so blessed. If, I have crazy ideas every morning. I get to do them. I get to work with the best people in the business. And I've worked with, like I've interviewed everyone from prime ministers to the biggest Hollywood stars. I'm just really lucky in what I've been able to do because of that support. Mm. Bootstrapped most of what I've been able to create, but always found a way to find profit with it, including in self-publishing. Including now and now I'm helping other people with self-publishing and trying to get their stuff out there knowing there's ways to circumvent, you know, the old way of doing things. Um, but the balance really comes with the fact that I don't start a thing before I get out and get active, right? Mm. And I don't end my day without doing the same. And it's stupid, but I, you know, anytime I dealt with anxiety related issues, when I was working in the high stress situation where I had to quit old habits, all that sort of stuff, I always relied on one thing to compensate for the other until after a certain age, I was just like, look, if I'm working towards writing this bio the way I really want to be with my life, this has got to have something of, you know, I got to be able to carry this vessel. Mm-hmm. And so unfortunately it sounds cliche. I don't talk about it often, but I spend a lot of time at least, you know, with a good pair of headphones, listening to good stuff out there, running, biking, walking, anything. And I'm lucky enough to have a family support that lets me under, you know, recharge that way and feel like I can put that effort towards building a business and a legacy, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, being a son of immigrants in this country, it's very important for us to have a, a footprint that makes people, um, you know, from the home countries, et cetera, uh, feel good about what happened. And um, I'm doing this for them as well. Mm. Not well, the country, I, for the family. I mean, of course. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. Claim. That's, that's a, uh, it's a, it's a big point and I, I'm glad you touched on it. Um, listen, it could be a 12 hour podcast. It's such a broad topic. But thankfully, oh, you wrote so books on it. I know, right? But you wrote books on it. So uh, again, uh, one coming out. So December eleventh. Uh, yes, that's uh, the rethinking your content. No, rethinking your content's already out. Okay, and, sorry. Uh, no, and you know what? Thank you very much. Through the success of the first four weeks, I've been number one on Amazon.ca five times now. So blessed, but long way to go because. It's it's my mixtape. That's what mm. I call it. <laughs> it's not. It's not. <laughs> But then we've got the audible version of finding growth beyond your personal brand. Uh, one thing I realized after starting rethinking your content was that nobody wants to read a book because people don't have an attention span right now. So I did the audible version. Uh, you can find that at audible.com. Um, wonderful way to sort of escape and just listen to good ideas. It's not going to change your life necessarily, but it's going to make you think. And that's what I do with ThinkStart at thinkstart.ca um, is where you can find me. ThinkStart.ca. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I appreciate, I appreciate this, man. No, you know what? You. Let's do it again. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Uh, best of luck. And I look forward to seeing uh, all the work in the future.
Okay, man. Thank you very much. Take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole.